Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the first chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. As soon as Jesus and the disciples left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sunset, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons. And the whole city was gathered around the door. And he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. <clears throat> when they found him, they said to him, Everyone is searching for you. He answered, Let us go on to the neighboring towns, so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came out to do. And he went out throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Christ. <clears throat> the Gospel of Mark reminds me of stories <clears throat> that the boys used to tell me when they were little. They would start telling me a story and I, having no idea what they were talking about, would say, back up, start at the beginning. They always seemed to tell stories that started somehow in the middle, expecting me to know how they began. But over time, I learned that many stories lack beginnings like we expect. The, so the story simply starts where it starts. And some stories have no real endings. They simply end where they end. This is the book of Mark. It seems to begin almost mid-sentence with eight short verses introducing John the Baptist. And then the story moves directly to Jesus, who is a grown man. There is no birth narrative, no stable, no manger, shepherds, angels, no Mary, no Joseph. Mark begins with an adult Jesus. So in the Gospel of Mark, we hit the ground running beginning in the middle of the story. But this is characteristic of this gospel. Mark is in a hurry. He is urgent. Repeatedly throughout this gospel, we hear words and phrases like immediately and suddenly and at that very moment. Mark's Jesus is impatient. He's passionate, sometimes even angry. If you've never read an entire gospel before, start with the Gospel of Mark. It reads quickly, like it's a story told in one breath. Immediately after Jesus is baptized by John, John is arrested. Jesus' ministry then immediately begins with his calling his first disciples, Simon, Andrew, James, and John 
who immediately leave their families and jobs and follow Jesus. They immediately come to the town of Capernaum. It is the Sabbath day, by the way, which is very important. Anyone who remembers anything from confirmation remembers the Ten Commandments. The Third Commandment instructs us to remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. In time, humans extrapolate this commandment to mean no work of any kind is permitted on the Sabbath. So, for example, if you come upon a neighbor who has fallen on the Sabbath, you could realistically say, I'd love to help you, friend, but sadly I cannot because I'm honoring the Sabbath. Anyway, Jesus immediately enters the synagogue in Capernaum on that Sabbath day and begins to teach with authority. That is to say, when Jesus teaches about God, he is talking about himself, and the people cannot believe their ears. Suddenly, a possessed man cries out, What are you doing here, Jesus of Nazareth? And Jesus casts out the evil spirit. This is the first miracle in the book of Mark. And immediately his fame begins to spread throughout Galilee. We're like 28 verses into the first chapter of Mark, and already Jesus is turning heads and making waves. And this is where today's gospel picks up. Jesus and his four new disciples leave the synagogue and go to the house of Simon and Andrew, Simon's mother-in-law is sick with a fever, Jesus immediately goes to her, takes her by the hand and heals her. She gets up and begins to serve them. This is Jesus' second miracle in the book of Mark, and it is still the Sabbath. Personally, I think this story is quite funny. Because when this group of guys shows up with no one to serve them snacks and drinks, Jesus moves pretty quickly in healing Simon's mother-in-law who immediately gets up and serves them snacks and drinks. Crisis averted. It's even nervier when you consider she's the mother of the woman that Simon left to follow Jesus. Remember, this is still the Sabbath. So twice Jesus has already performed miracles on the Sabbath, blatantly breaking Sabbath law. As the sun sets, suddenly there is a pounding at the door and when the door is opened, there stands the entire city who has brought their sick to see Jesus. And all night long, he heals them. To the ones who are possessed by evil spirits, Jesus literally tells the evil spirits to shut up. And they do, because they know they stand no chance in the presence of Jesus and his healing power. Jesus spends the entire night with human hands reaching out to him, agonized voices screaming for him. By night's end, he is surely soaked with the blood and the sweat and the tears and the saliva of the infirm, the tormented, and the diseased. And in the morning, while it is still dark, he tries to sneak away for a moment of quiet alone to pray, but is hunted down by his disciples. And when they find him, they say, everybody is hunting for you. And for the rest of the book of Mark, Jesus remains a hunted man. The Gospel of Mark then ends as it begins, mid-sentence and unresolved. There is no 
proper ending to this gospel. The last word is literally afraid. This, by the way, drove ancient authorities so crazy that they wrote two separate endings of their own to the book of Mark, creatively called the shorter ending of Mark and the longer ending of Mark. But the beauty of this gospel lies in its roughness, in its ability to make us a little uncomfortable. This is not a serene, spotlessly clean Jesus. Rather, this is a Jesus fully steeped in humanity, our tears and anguish, our blood and our disease, our demons and agony, our exile and our despair. And it makes him impatient and even angry at times. It's a messy gospel lacking both a proper beginning and a proper ending, but sometimes life is like that, isn't it? But back to our gospel for today, which concludes with Jesus taking his first disciples out to the neighboring towns to preach and heal, before he says, this is what I've come out to do. As they do so, they immediately encounter a man with leprosy whom Jesus heals. And Jesus knows the best way to spread the word is to tell the man not to say anything to anyone. So, of course, the healed man immediately tells everyone what Jesus has done so that Jesus is mobbed and hunted everywhere he goes and people come to him from every quarter. And that is just the first chapter of Mark. Urgent. Messy. Breathless. By the time the first chapter of Mark concludes, Jesus has already done countless acts of healing, including three very specific ones. The man in the synagogue with the unclean spirit, Simon's mother-in-law, and the man with leprosy. And two of those three are performed on the Sabbath. Jesus does not care. He has things to do, so best get out of his way. This is neither irrelevant nor random, because although the four Gospels in the New Testament highlight different aspects of Jesus' ministry, one thing that consistently gets him in trouble in all of the Gospels is his healing on the Sabbath. In Mark, Jesus immediately breaks this commandment and gets in serious trouble for it in the very next chapter. Why, though? Why is this so upsetting? What is the great offense? The offense is that in healing the sick, Jesus restores to community ones whom society prefers to alienate. Jesus heals ones whom others want to be left unhealed. He makes well those whom others wish to remain sick. Society then and now depends on people being unwell. Sick people are scared people, and scared people are vulnerable people, and vulnerable people are easily manipulated and oppressed. In the book of Mark, Jesus immediately seeks out the ones without health insurance, the ones on food stamps, the ones with green cards, the ones crushed underfoot, the ones on the wrong side of the wall or fence or tracks. Mark's Jesus has no time for the conditions and the limitations that humans put on the gospel, no matter what or who or when Jesus will heal. Jesus 
<clears throat> flagrantly breaks human laws so that God's law can be fully revealed. When he's challenged about healing on the Sabbath, he says, you know, if your sheep or your ox fell in a ditch on the Sabbath, you'd get them out. Aren't humans more important than these animals? Jesus breaks open God's law to reveal the grace that is for all people. Yes, he says, I will help you on the Sabbath and any other time you call out for me. Humans tell Jesus, you are breaking Sabbath law by healing on it. And Jesus says, I am honoring Sabbath law by healing on it. Humans create all kinds of boxes that prevents us from grasping the dream that God has for us because someone once said this or because it's written somewhere about that. We still get caught in these traps today, like arguing about what kind of bread and wine we need for communion, whether or not potted plants can be placed on the altar, how the linens on the altar must lie, where the banners must be hung, and most importantly, how church potlucks must be organized. None of these things are bad, but they can be. If they masquerade as God's law and thus prevent us from dreaming of what could be by tethering us to what has always been. In my internship congregation, this is a true story, by the way, <clears throat> One lady lobbied so hard against putting potted plants on the altar, claiming it was biblical. So at Easter, the altar guild lined up the Easter lilies on the narrow lighting ledges that ran the length of the sanctuary. And one potted Easter lily did in fact fall on that lady's head. And my supervisor made me leave because I could not collect myself, because I thought it was the funniest example of justice I had ever seen in my life, and I still do. <clears throat> God's law has no time for things like that. This ties perfectly in with our reading from Isaiah. Isaiah is divided into three parts. Our reading today comes from the second part, where God's people are living in exile. They've been driven from their home in Jerusalem to living in exile in Babylon. Isaiah chapter 40 contains words of comfort promises that God will free them and bring them home. These promises are fulfilled when the Persian ruler Cyrus captures Babylon and frees the exiles to return to their homeland and rebuild. Finally, they have served their term. Their penalties have been lifted. It is time to dream again of home, of restoration, of community. The political systems that resulted in the destruction of their homeland were human-made, but nonetheless, God is at work rebuilding and restoring and healing. <clears throat> Using the poetic words of Isaiah, God is showing God's people how to dream again. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Don't forget, remember God's faithfulness to you in the past. God has not forgotten you. God is not neglecting you. I know you are weary and exhausted, but trust in God. God will raise you up on eagle's wings so that you will run, not be weary. You will walk and not be faint, and your strength will be renewed. God will show you how to dream again. Today's readings show us 
and that God comes to save us from ourselves and that God shows us how to dream of healing. My husband Doug has often said to me that one of his jobs in life is to save me from myself. And I think that is true. And that he pulls me from the occasional terrible spiral in my head and silences those voices that demonize and accuse and judge. God frees us from the rules that we ourselves have created, from the corners that we have painted ourselves into, and God shows us how to dream again. In the middle of the night, when we long for sleep and are instead tormented by doubt and fear, Jesus seeks us out to bring rest and healing when we look around the world and see only destruction and despair, God says, have you not known? Have you not heard? Don't forget, I'm here with you. God shows us how to dream again by opening our eyes and our ears to God's amazing grace because it is all around us. And whenever broken human community is healed and restored, whenever a stranger or an outcast is welcomed, God's dream is realized. God's message of love and grace and justice is immediate. And it is urgent. With new wars looming and current wars raging, with a planet that is burning up, with our democracy edging towards possible collapse, with flames being fanned against people of color, the LGBTQIA community, immigrants, Jews, Muslims, etc. There is a desperate urgency in our world, which is why we celebrate the book of Mark. Mark has no time to debate the color of church carpet, which fork to use, when cake should be served, Mark's Jesus urgently calls out for us to bring healing by welcoming into community ones whom we have harmed and pushed away, by learning from our past sins so that we can do better, by learning to dream again of what kingdom reality can look like in all of the Gospels including Mark. Jesus breaks the rules for our sakes. He offends for our sakes. He shatters our human created conditions and limitations so that we can dream again of restored community and genuine Christian welcome and inclusion. Jesus pays the price for his offenses with his life. As Christians, we respond by joyfully welcoming back into community those whom the world has shoved out. You with broken bodies and hearts, welcome. You with demons inside of your head, welcome. You whom the world has labeled inferior or inadequate, Welcome. You are welcome here. Let us dream together. I understand that Lent is right around the corner, but we can't help but notice the Easter language in our gospel today. Verse 35, early in the morning, 
While it is still dark, Jesus gets up and goes to a deserted place to pray. While we sleep, when we are in our darkest hour, God is ever at work, restoring and healing and resurrecting. God stirs to life everything, when and where we only see shadow and death. And God invites us into that kingdom dream by inviting us to participate in it in it every day of our lives. We have known and we have heard of God's amazing grace. We know that when darkness falls, when we pound on the door and beg for Jesus to open and answer us, when we cry out in sickness and pain, and when we beg for God to silence our demons, that God responds urgently impatiently. The book of Mark is not tidy. It is not tied up with a pretty bow. It's urgent and messy and surprisingly that's exactly what I love about it because my life is often like that and I'll reckon yours is too. And yet here we meet Jesus face to face. A Jesus who is smeared and soaked with the sweat and tears and blood of the entire human race, who rages with impatience and swears and breaks whatever he needs to break in order to gather all people to himself. In Jesus Christ, God dares us to dream a dream we know to be true. Amen.